Hallelujah. Well, this morning, we're going to talk about one of my favorite subjects, and that's superheroes. When I was a little boy, this may surprise some of you, but back in the 50s, my superhero was George Reeves. Does anybody know what role George Reeves played? Superman. Then in 1966, I got mesmerized by wham, pow, bam, boom. And a man named Adam West. Does anybody know what show that was? Batman. Batman. And now once in a while, the students are kind enough to invite me to go to a movie with them. And I watch the superhero movies. And you know, to be a superhero, you've got to have something special, right? You've got to have a supernatural ability. Captain America has got what? Supernatural strength and a shield. Thor has got what? A hammer. Batman's got what? Money. <laughs> I wasn't where I was going, but he's got gadgets, right? He's got gadgets, you know? And we're going to talk about the Incredibles and how I think the church is something like the Incredibles. We're one family with many different spiritual gifts. And I want you to get ready this morning because God has supernaturally endowed you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you may not know that, but God has supernaturally endowed you with a spiritual gift that makes you a terror to the devil and the pits of hell, but will make you a superhero in the lives of many other people. Amen? Let's give him one more hand to praise this morning and get ready. You can be seated. And the whole movie is about this family called the Incredibles and how they fight this very evil guy and how it takes all of their gifts to defeat the evil that the whole movie revolves around. As a matter of fact, at the end, it looks like they're going to fail because of the cleverness, the cunningness of this very evil guy. And then you see the whole family get together and even the family by themselves are not quite enough and a buddy comes along named Frozone. Now, he's really, really cool and I hope you want to go watch the movie after this. I'm kind of, I'm not a geek, but I am kind of geeked up. I can't wait for Incredibles 2 to come out and so, I, you know, it's going to be a fun movie. But when I watched that movie, I remember telling Becky, I said, that's a lot like the church and our spiritual gifts and a lot of us don't realize that God has given us this supernatural ability and this supernatural power. I mean, when I think of superheroes, there's Spider-Man. And Spider-Man possesses this incredible strength and this ability to spin webs, you know, and just, wouldn't it be cool to be able to do that? And my favorite character, though, is uh, Wolverine. I mean, just the ability to heal himself. And besides that, he just looks cool, you know. And uh, he's got this body that makes claws that pop out of his hands. And there have been a few times when I wish I had that. And there's probably been a lot of times I've been glad afterwards I didn't have that. So I want to talk to you about supernatural abilities that God has given to you. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And I'm going to um, read you several passages of Scripture this morning. We are in a series called Ghost Stories. We've looked at the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We've looked at the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We have looked at who the Holy Spirit is. And today what I would like to talk to you about is these, something called spiritual gifts. Say that with me. Spiritual gifts. The word literally is charismata. It's grace gift. It's a gift. You know, those of you that are visiting with us today that you're not a Christian yet, you're on this journey and you're, you're here because you're asking questions. You're here because you're looking for God. I had a conversation with somebody this morning just briefly about that. You're on a journey, and I'm just going to let you know I'm anticipating, I'm praying for the day you're going to cross the line, and you're going to give your heart to Jesus Christ. That's going to be a cool day for you. That's going to be a cool day for the kingdom. That'll be a cool day for all of us. But you're on a journey, and I respect that. But you don't have this gift the spiritual gift until, first of all, you give your heart to Jesus Christ. And I hope that maybe just hearing this this morning will make you hungry to know that you've been created for more, more than you could have ever dreamed of. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. God gives you, when you've been born again, a charismata, a spiritual gift, so that we can serve one another. We can serve God by serving one another. It's a, it's a unique gift. It's something that's a supernatural endowment of power that God gives you. 
Now, Timothy was a young pastor, kind of timid, kind of shy, kind of nervous, had a nervous disposition. Paul would write to him several times about this, but he writes to him. I'm going to read you two passages here from the book of 2 Timothy. He says, I'm writing to you, Timothy, my dear son. This is his second letter trying to encourage Timothy. He said, may God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. If that's something you need this morning, say amen. Grace, mercy, and peace, we all need that. The grace of God, the mercy of God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding. But Tim Paul goes on, and just four verses later, as he's talking to him about this grace and mercy and peace, he says, Timothy, this is why I remind you, fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power love, and self-discipline. Holy Spirit, would you help each of us this morning to hear the word of the Lord? Lord, would you help us to not only hear the word of the Lord, but to apply the word of the Lord to our lives? And Holy Spirit, I ask you to help me to teach and to preach this morning upon this subject in such a way that you first and foremost are glorified, Father. I pray that people will think bigger thoughts of you than ever before, glorious thoughts of you. Secondly, I pray that the church will be equipped. I pray, Lord, that we will be persuaded that you've created us for more. And finally, Lord, I pray for my friends that have not crossed the line yet and committed their lives to you, that today they will know that you love them from the very foundations of this world And God, you have a plan for their lives that is both fruitful and glorious, for it's in Christ's name I pray. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. Grab a pen and your notes and follow along with me this morning. You might want to take and look at your outline this morning and just circle that phrase, fan into flames. That was a very, very common phrase in that day. That was a very common phrase in the day of Jesus, in the day of the early church, because most homes would have had an outside cooking pit. As a matter of fact, I have sat in some of those huts and homes that are very similar to that in Africa, and there will be an outside cooking pit, and you keep the embers warm, and what happens is when it's time to cook a meal, the person that's cooking the meal will take a few sticks of wood, and they'll lay it onto the embers that they have kept warm, kept it kind of covered up so it would smolder, and then they would take something, and they would begin to fan it in to flame. They would begin to just pour the oxygen upon those embers until suddenly you can see a poof and the fire puffs up and it catches those small pieces of kindling on fire and they'll add a little more wood to it and then there's a fire suitable for cooking and preparing a meal. It's kind of the same symbolism that God is giving to us in his word about the spiritual gift that he's given to us. Paul's coaching Timothy and he says, Timothy, your spiritual gift is kind of like fanning those embers into a flame. And fanning it into flame, Timothy, it's not my responsibility to fan it into flame. And even though you had a godly mother and a godly grandmother, Lois and Eunice, even though you had a godly lineage, it's not your mother's responsibility and it's not your grandmother's responsibility to fan it into flame. It's your responsibility to fan into flame the spiritual gift that God has given you. So whose responsibility is it to cause a spiritual gift to begin to burn brightly for Christ? It's our responsibility. It's my responsibility. It's your responsibility. And a spiritual gift or that divine enablement, it's not a talent. It's not something you were born able to do. Some of you were born able to work really well with your hands. Some of you were born really able to sing songs. Some of you were born really able to think and to cognate. A spiritual gift is not your talent. A spiritual gift is a supernatural and that God gives to you. As a matter of fact, God decides who's going to get which gifts that he gives. It's only God's decision. It's not my decision. It's not the church. I don't impart spiritual gifts to people. Nobody imparts spiritual gifts to people. The Holy Spirit does that. Read this out loud with me from 1 Corinthians 2.11. It's on the screen. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Circle that phrase, he alone decides. 
God is the one that decides which of the spiritual gifts we get. You don't ask for a spiritual gift. You don't say, Lord, give me the gift of discernment or give me the gift of prophecy or give me the gift of tongues or give me the gift of miracles. God decides which of those gifts to give you. And it's not a gift that I deserve. I don't deserve the spiritual gift mix that God has given me. And I'm just, you know, I'm not being insulting, I hope, when I tell you this. But you don't deserve the spiritual gift mix that God has given to you either. God gives them to us because he loves them. And can I tell you something I have discovered in life? The Holy Spirit is really, really smart. I mean, he's really intelligent. He knows me better than I know myself. And when the Bible says that God alone decides who gets which gift, I've really learned to trust that because there have been times when I thought, I wish I had this gift or I wish I had that gift. When I watch the superhero movies sometimes, I will think, boy, I wish I could do that. How many of you have ever watched a superhero movie and you thought the same thing? Sure you have. I, I really wish I could do that. Whoever said money, I really wish sometimes I could be Batman with all the money. That's the coolest car I've ever seen. And especially if I could have the one that rolls on the side of the walls and rolls over and keeps going, whatever that thing is called. I just think Batman is cool. However, my favorite character is Superman because Superman is really good. I'll let you guess which of my sons called me with this question, but one of my sons one day called me. He says, Dad, there's a test on Facebook I want you to take. And I says, I don't do Facebook. I don't take tests on Facebook. He says, no, Dad, take the test. And I go, I'm not going to take the test. And so we went back and forth, and he finally told me, he says, the test will tell you which superhero you really are in life. Any of you ever done that test? Well, anyway... He said, Dad, who is your favorite superhero? And I said, Superman, because he's good and he's kind and he's always looking out for the little guy and he's helping people. And besides that, he can fly. How cool is that, you know? And he goes, oh, Dad, you don't want to be Superman. You want to be Batman. And he starts going on all these things about Batman. Anybody want to guess which son that was? You're right. You know my kids, don't you? You know, and I said, Batman's too dark. I'd like to have his money. I'd like to have his car. And he goes, oh, yeah, but that's just it. And when I've talked to some of our kids at the church, this is which one. Some of them have said, I want to be Spider-Man. Some of them said they'd like to be Wolverine. I think there's a part of us, let's be honest, I think there's a part of us as Christians, sometimes we see somebody else's gift and we think, oh, I wish I had that gift. Oh, I wish that was a supernatural spiritual gift that God gave me because we look at other people's giftedness and if we're not careful, we'll envy them. I've got news for you. You are especially created in the image of God and endowed by God to do the work which God has called you to do. You don't want my gift. You want the gift that the Holy Spirit has chosen for you. Can you say amen to that? Learn to trust him because I'll tell you again, he's really, really smart and he knows you better than you know yourself. And sometimes in life you will find yourself, it may be in the future, it may be this week, but some point in life as you discover your spiritual gift and allow God to use you, you'll just shake your head and wonder at what the Holy Spirit has done in your life and how God has especially used you. I've got a long sentence I want you to fill in the blanks. I don't normally do this, but as I pondered this, I really felt like I needed to pull this all together in one sentence. The Holy Spirit knows my past, my pain, my potential, my story, and my future. The Holy Spirit knows my past, my pain, my potential, my story, and my future. Really briefly, probably less than 20 seconds on each one. God knows your past. God knows where you've been and what you've done. God loves you. It's not your past that determines your future. It's your faith in God. Amen? God knows your pain. And perhaps you're dealing with some pain and some unresolved pain and conflict in your life today. But understand this. God will use your pain for his glory and honor. Some of the things that happened to you were not fair. Some of the things that happened to you, you couldn't help. But you have discovered, I hope, by now in life that God is faithful to us even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And on the other side, we will always find that God's the one that brought us through. If you can stand the pull and God will pull you through. 
Can you say amen to that? But God also knows your potential. God knows you were created for more than what you're doing now. God knows that you're able to do more because he has supernaturally endowed you. And as we looked at a few weeks ago, he has also given you an anointing. And if there's anything the enemy would like to steal from you, it's that anointing that God has given to you that you are able to accomplish great things for his glory. Our Lord and Savior truly did say about his church, you will do even greater things after I've gone back to my Father in heaven. And if you believe that, say a big amen this morning. I believe Jesus. He's also really, really smart. Let's give him a hand of praise for that as well. But God also knows my life story, and God manifests himself through my life story, through your life story. Your story really matters, and I will tell you this, in your sphere of influence, your life story is much more valuable than my life story. What God has done through your life and God is doing in your life, God has strategically placed you where you could have the most influence for his glory, but God also knows your future. And the book of Jeremiah says he has a hope, he has a plan, he has a future for you, a promise to do good to you and not evil to you. Friends, I want you to know if you follow Jesus, it only gets better. Let's give him another hand of praise for that. It's true. You say, well, what about those that have been martyred for their faith? Friends, I got to tell you something. When we pass out of this life and we stand in the presence of Jesus Christ, especially those who did not love their life until the death, there is a future awaiting them in heaven forever and ever. God is never defeated. When we sing victor's crown, it's victor's crown through good times and bad times, through sunshine and rain, through promise and pain. Jesus is still Lord. Mm. You ever feel like you're just having to hold back from what you just really want to say or do right now? God has more to do in your life than you've ever dreamed. So let's talk for just a moment about spiritual gifts. I Googled spiritual gifts this week, and there are millions of sites that come up on Google about spiritual gifts. As I looked at that and I thought, well, Lord, if I tell people to go home and Google spiritual gifts, they're just going to be confused. So let's start where we should all begin. This is where I should always begin as a pastor. Read the Bible to learn about spiritual gifts. Study your Bible. Go to the one who gives the spiritual gifts. Go to God's Word and read about it. There are three significant passages that I would encourage you to read. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. You say, well, pastor, I know 1 Corinthians 13. That's read at almost every wedding I go to. To. It's about love. Well, the reason 1 Corinthians 13 follows 1 Corinthians 12 is because Paul is trying to tell us that spiritual gifts have to operate in love and not in pride and not in ego. Can you say amen to that? So there's a reason strategically that 1 Corinthians 13 is placed there because there were some people in the Corinth church, they were very proud of their spiritual gifts. And they thought like if you possess this one gift, for instance, tongues, if you possess tongues, you were more spiritual than everybody else because everybody knew that in Greek mythology that people that spoke in utterances that you couldn't understand, they were deeply, deeply, intensely spiritual. How many of you know the enemy will always try to counterfeit everything good that God has? And so when you start to operate in pride, there's not one gift that's better than the other gifts. The best gift, I've always said this, the best gift is the gift that's needed at the moment. Amen? I mean, if I get hurt in an automobile, automobile accident, I don't want some guy that's been to college that knows about anatomy saying, well, this is wrong and this is wrong. I want an EMT there that knows how to stop the bleeding and set the bone and get me to the hospital. Right? So it's not that one gift is better than another gift. And then there's this also this fabulous passage in Ephesians 4 that talks about spiritual gifts. Read everything you can. I'll be happy to suggest books to you. I'll be happy to suggest specific teachers to you that I think have written well on this subject. But read your Bible. Read the Bible. Pray carefully. Go to your small group leader. How many small group leaders are in here today? Can I see your hands? Hold them up high. Go to your small group leaders and talk to them about spiritual gifts. Go to a pastor in the church. Go to a trusted Christian friend. But go and learn about spiritual gifts and talk about it and read about it. And then I want to encourage you to go to Discovering My Ministry. It's a class that we call 301. And it's all about discovering the ministry that God has given us. In our life, God has created every one of us to serve. Now look at me. You will never, ever be happy until you're serving. You love God, you serve God, 
You worship God by serving other people. As a matter of fact, and this is really good, Romans chapter 12, the one I just gave you about spiritual gifts, Romans chapter 12, it starts out like this. Brothers, sisters, I want you to present your bodies as living sacrifices unto the Lord. In other words, I don't want you to die. I want you to live for Christ, and I want you to prove what is the will of God, the good and the pleasing and perfect will of God. Anybody that tells you the will of God is not good is lying. God says about his will, it's good, it's perfect, and is pleasing. Can you say amen to that? He says, this is your reasonable or your thoughtful service that you prove what the good and acceptable will of God is. And then he goes into this wonderful passage about spiritual gifts. Mature people who are living in the will of God, they discover their spiritual gifts, and all ministry comes out of gifts. That's the reason that Woodland operates with a very flat plane, not a hierarchical plane of leadership. Because all ministry comes out of relationship and comes out of spiritual gifts. We want people to to operate and to accelerate in the way that God has created them. There is one head of the church, and his name is Jesus Christ. Can you say amen to that? And when the church is described, it is described as the body of Christ. And if you want to see the perfect gift mix of all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, then look at Jesus Christ. For in him was wisdom, in him was knowledge. In him was service. In him was prophecy. In him was all the perfect gift mix of all the gifts that work together. And when Jesus is head of the church, I am fully convinced that the church has every spiritual gift that we need to minister and to reach and to love and to serve our community in the name of Jesus Christ. Can we give him another hand of praise for that? I am totally convinced of that. The gifts of evangelism are in this room. The gifts of service, the gifts of prophecy. And that doesn't mean being weird and your hair blowing in the wind and having a big gray beard and you're like Gandalf. It means that you somehow or another, you've studied the word, you know how to speak the truth and you speak it in love. So go to Discovering My Ministry. Hines and Pastor Rick teach that class. And in this class, what we want you to do is discuss. Talk about what the different gifts are. Talk about, find out in that class, ask Heinz what his spiritual gifts are. Heinz, wave your hand at me so everybody knows who you are. Pastor Rick, wave, everybody knows you, but ask them what their spiritual gifts are. When you go to, to Norma's class, Discovering Spiritual Maturity, ask Norma what her spiritual gift mix are. You can ask me. I'll be happy to talk to you about it. But you see, when you discuss and you talk in your small group, and you go to your small group, uh, you say, you know, you know, pastor talked about spiritual gifts. What is your spiritual gift mix? And you're able to dialogue and talk about that. Suddenly you find yourself learning. The second thing I say is discover. Discover and be willing to experiment. You see, discovering your spiritual gifts, we're going to give you in that class, we'll give you a spiritual gifts inventory. And it's kind of a test, but it's a test you can't fail. I would have loved to have had more of those kind of tests when I was in college, right? The test that I can't fail. I can remember standing at the bulletin boards looking to see when the graves were posted so that we would know. And you could always tell some people would, yes, some people would just kind of walk away and not say anything. You know, you just stood there. But this is a class, a test you'll never fail because it's meant to help you discover. And you might be a little confused. And so I want to give you some practical advice. When the Lord touched me and healed me and I began to do better in my life, I wanted to learn to swim. My daddy is a great teacher. Now, his teaching method was unorthodox. Let me tell you how my daddy taught me to swim. Put me in the boat, rowed me out in the middle of the pond, and pitched me out of the boat. I came up grasping, help! Daddy says, swim! Help! Swim! I can't swim. I know he would eventually come out of there when I didn't come back up. Well, I got to tell you something. I started swimming. I do not recommend that, by the way. You know, I do. When my daddy taught me to water ski, we went to Reed Bingham State Park. And he told me how many feet of water was underneath me, and I was scared to death. That's down in Adel, Georgia. When you're driving down 75, you probably pronounce it Adele. It's not Adele, it's Adele. You got to say it like a southerner does. And Reed Bingham State Park is right there, and my daddy yelled at my cousin, pull! 
And I got to tell you, the first time I skied, I skied. Not far, but I skied. But I didn't have sense enough to let go of the rope. And when I went down, I was holding the rope. And they were trolling Reed Bingham Lake with me, holding on to the rope. And the only reason I let go is I lost my swimming trunks. And when I lost my swimming trunks, I came up scared to death because my cousins were going to see me, and there was girls in that boat that I wanted to impress, and here come my daddy, one arm in it, holding my red swimming trunks up in the air. He's going, you did it, fella. You did it, fella. (laughs) Now, here's what I want you to know. You got to jump in the pond sometime. (laughs) You got to experiment, and you will know your gift mix is When you can swim, you can ski, you can do what you couldn't do before because God has supernaturally empowered you to do that. And if you find yourself going under and you can't get back to the top, don't worry about it. The Holy Spirit will lift you back up. He'll put you back in the boat and we'll try all over again. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for that this morning? Well, come on, Victory. You see, there is a lot of experimenting that goes on. And sometimes we think to be spirit-led means we've got to be perfect every time. We are not perfect people. We are flawed people. And there's nothing wrong with experimenting and jumping in the pool and seeing what works. But here's what I want to say to you. Stay in the pool. Stay in the pond. Just because it didn't work the first time, don't get out of the pool and go, well, I thought it was this, so I'm not going to try anymore. Have you ever gone to the lake? Have you ever gone to a pool and you've seen the people sitting in the lawn chairs? Their hair's perfect. They got a bathing suit on, but they never get wet. And if you do a cannonball in front of them, they get mad. I mean, they really get angry because they don't want to get wet. It's like some people don't want to get baptized because it's going to mess up their hair. Oh, quit being a whiny honey. Get baptized. You know, Or maybe you did something one time for God and you go, well, I was used one time for God and I did this and it was wonderful, but now I just sit by the pool with an umbrella in my drink. You ninny, get back in the water. Jump back into pond. Jump back into pool. Because until Jesus comes, we've got work to do. There are people who need to be helped. There are people who need Jesus Christ. There are people who need encouragement. There are people who need to be healed. There are people who need to be delivered. As long as we are on this planet, we have a work to do in the kingdom of heaven. Can we give him one more hand of praise for that this morning? I cannot call his name, but I use his story with permission. A brilliant, brilliant man. And one time I would ask him what I ask you to do. I said, what is your spiritual gift? And he says, you know, Pastor, I know my spiritual gift. He said, but it scared me so bad when God used me. And he talked to me about it. He said that it scared me so bad that when I was doing that, that I decided to stop and he said I really know that I've missed so many opportunities to help people because it frightened me friends I do want you to hear this I want to say this in a way that you'll hear it I want to say it in a way that you'll remember it but I want to bring you back to this one little point now listen carefully We're talking about spiritual gifts. God is a holy God. God is a powerful God. And one day, every one of us will stand before him to give an accounting of whether or not we have used the gifts that God has given us. So it's important. I wish you wouldn't take that baby out. I'm so happy to have that baby here. (laughs) It is important for us to learn to allow God to use us. Third thing I'd say is differentiate. As you're in 301, ask Kynes, ask Pastor Rick, how are these gifts different? How do they work together? We're going to give you a personality test in this class. And the personality test in this class helps you to see how your personality meshes with other people and then maybe why for some reason you can't understand it. Don't lift your hands here. But have you ever met another Christian? For some reason, y'all are kind of like sandpaper to each other. Yep. Don't, some of you are lifting your hands and nodding your head, you know? Is that person sitting beside you? No, do not. (laughs) You know, there's, we have to be careful 
Because our personalities come into this. It's not just spiritual gifts, but it's personalities. And we want to help you see how all that meshes together and why we need everybody in the body of Christ. And then finally, when I say deploy, deploy your spiritual gift, let God use you. Third thing, I've talked about experiment, but I'd like to walk you through what I mean by experiment. So if you'll go ahead and put experiment up there and then the next three fill-ins because I want to be sure I cover all this this morning. When you experiment, what you're looking for is, do I find fulfillment? Do I have this sense that when I'm using the spiritual gift that God has given me, do I have this sense, Lowell, I can't believe that God is letting me do this. I have this sense of, I, I can't believe that I'm actually getting the privilege of being used by the Lord. If you find yourself going, oh, I don't want to do this. For instance, the smallest represented gift in the body of Christ is the gift of the evangelist. There are some people, they'll talk about Jesus at the drop of a hat to anybody. As a matter of fact, they will ambush you for Jesus Christ. Have you ever sat beside somebody on an airplane like that? And when you tell them you're a Christian, they almost look disappointed. They'll look at you and go, are you sure? If, you die, if this plane went down, are you sure? You know they've got the gift. And I go, yes, I am sure, you know. And I even pulled out my credentials card that said I was an Assemblies of God preacher and this evangelist. They had the spiritual gift. They began to tell me how many backslidden preachers they knew. Was I sure? <laughs> I mean, they're just in your face. Least represented gift in the church. But then a lot of the rest of us, we're kind of like, how do I do it? You know, can I, can I approach this? Or I don't want to offend anybody. If you're an evangelist, you don't worry about offending people. You just get in their face, okay? So when you know you're in your spiritual gift, it's fulfilling to you. You feel free to do it. You want to do it. The second thing is you get feedback. People just come up to you and go, Wow, that was a great cannonball. Wow, you really skied well that time. Or wow, you really helped me. You really blessed me. And you know that wasn't your talent. You know that wasn't something you learned how to do. It was something that God is working in your life. And you get these attaboys on your back. But now also hear this, because for some of you in this church, your spiritual gift is such that nobody ever sees what you do. You're kind of like, certain organs in the body. Nobody ever sees it, but where would we be without it? I mean, I can't remember the three little bones of the inner ear, but you know, there are two little bones that are connected together, and if those two little bones don't work, only one-tenth of a percent of the sound that we're supposed to hear gets to the eardrum. But everybody talks about the eardrum. Everybody talks about hearing, but nobody talks about those two little bones in the ear that are so necessary. And there are people that serve in the ministry of this church that you will never know about, but if they're not here, if they're not in their prayer closets interceding, if they're not in the background serving, then the whole church hurts as a result. Just because you can't see my foot doesn't mean that I don't need my foot. It's just because you can't see my big toe doesn't mean that I can't, that I don't need my big toe. Friends, everybody is necessary in the body of Christ. There are no big eyes and little use. We really do need each other in the body of Christ. Can we give the Lord another hand of praise for that as well this morning? Third thing I'd say is be fruitful. You will find yourself bearing fruit I want to come back to that parable of the talents again. You know you're going to stand before God one day. And when you're in your spiritual gift, you just naturally find fruitfulness. A friend of mine, this is really his name, Heine. Heine pastors in Bariloche, Argentina. I remember before Heine became a Christian. We worked down there for five years. I was in and out of there every six weeks just getting a church planted and helping plant there and Heine was a guy that I met he was a Chilean refugee stuck in Argentina up in the mountains Heine and his wife Mary lived in a little pasteboard shack on the side of a mountain dirt poor discriminated against because the Argentines don't like Chilean Indians 
And I remember meeting Heine. His wife believed that she was a witch and she was practicing in the occult. And I remember we would go and visit them in their little pasteboard shack, sit down with them. And one day the Spirit of the Lord touched Heine's heart and he began to weep and he gave his heart to Jesus. Mary later became a passionate follower of Christ. Heine had no education. Heine didn't know how to read or write. But suddenly Heine felt called to be a pastor. And he had no education. He had no theological education. But Heine would have a missionary and a teacher there in Badaloche that would read the word to him. They put him into classes and he learned to read and he learned to begin to read the Bible. And today, Heine pastors a very successful church on the outskirts of Badaloche, Argentina because he's being fruitful, not because he has a theological degree, not because he has a graduate degree, and not even because he's a great reader, but because God has supernaturally endowed him to do what he's doing. It's why we call it a grace gift or a charismata. It's just as much a superpower. It's more of a superpower than Captain America with his shield. Jesus is saying to you this morning with your spiritual gift, if thou canst believe, nothing is impossible. Can we give the Lord another hand of praise today? Nothing is impossible. Albert Bowman, who was a mentor and a friend of mine, was a businessman. And when Albert crossed the line and gave his heart to Jesus, suddenly Albert began to study and devour the Word of God. And then one day Albert came to me and says, Pastor, I, I, I just feel like I'd like to share what I'm learning. And so, you know, when you're a solo pastor of a church, you're just grateful to have anybody help. You're grateful to have a Sunday off, a Wednesday night off, or whatever. And, and so I said, sure, Albert. And Albert began to share, and pretty soon we discovered that God had supernaturally endowed this quiet, modest businessman with the supernatural gift of teaching. And people thrived and loved. And Albert went on before he died to become an author, a published author, and a successful business man, but everywhere he went, he taught business principles that he learned from the word of the Lord. I want to say to you this morning, at Woodland Church, we are not at 100%, but I have made a big, hairy, audacious ask of God. I have prayed that 100% of the people who worship at Woodland Church are going to discover their spiritual gift, because I believe that God has given us everything we need right here to reach and love our community to Jesus Christ. If you believe that, would you give the Lord a hand of praise this morning. I believe it. God has given us everything we need. But what bothers me, and I'm going to get real personal. Some of you are going to take me off your top 10 dialing list on your phone. Some of you are going to delete my picture this morning. Some of you, you'll no longer carry my photograph in your wallet. You'll say, I used to worship at Woodland Church. <laughs> that pastor's a real jerk. But you've caught me on a really good day. Don't catch me on a bad day. You've caught me on a really good day. And I have prayed. I went back. I would erase this point. I'd come back in here and I'd pray. I walked around this sanctuary. I stopped over there at that thing and I said, God... It sounds so mean. But I really believe I'm supposed to say this to you today. It's time to stop offering excuses. It's time to stop offering excuses. God has deposited a supernatural ability into your life. God is calling you, look at me, everyone right here. God is calling you to a higher level of impact for the kingdom of heaven than what you've ever known before. God is calling you to a higher level of faith than what you've ever known before. God has deposited something in you that you will give an accounting for one day. God has deposited to you a supernatural gift, a spiritual gift that will not only change your life and bring fruitfulness and fulfillment into your life, but you will change the lives of other people. God will use you to transform, to bring the message. It may be through serving. It may be through gifts of mercy. It may be through leadership. It may be through teaching. It may, I don't know how God manifests himself, but I am convinced that everything we need, so it's time to stop being spiritually lazy. It's time to stop offering excuses. And it's time to stop saying, I'm too busy. 
Are you too busy to eat? Are you too busy to sleep? Are you too busy to do Facebook and Twitter four or five times a day? Are you too busy to go to the bathroom? Are you too busy to go to work? You're not too busy, you're just being lazy. And we will work to get you through these classes and help you discover your gift at any time of the day or the week. It's time to stop deceiving yourself. It's time to stop telling yourself, I'm a loser. Some of you are thinking, God could never use me. You don't know my past, Pastor. You don't know my pain, Pastor. You don't know my life story, Pastor. You don't know anything about me, Pastor. How could you dare say to me that God could use me to change somebody else's life? I can't change myself. Friends, I can't change myself, but I serve the one who is able to change me and take us from glory to glory and everyday sanctify our lives until we become more and more like Jesus Christ until the day he calls us home. Hallelujah. I can't change me. You can't change you. But God changes us. It's why we've spent this whole month of messages talking about ghost stories. You're not a loser. You are a winner. And if you can stand the pulling, God will pull you through. But sometimes, you just gotta offer yourself up to the Lord and say, God, here am I. Use me. And God is more than ready. The Bible says it's 1 Corinthians 12, 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Would you look at the person sitting next beside next to you and say, God has given you a spiritual gift so you can be a help to other people. Now, can I ask you this? Was that hard? Are you uncomfortable? For some of you, you were uncomfortable because you just looked at a stranger and that was like really weird. And really creepy. Well, some of you looked at people you knew. But everyone, look at me, every one of you just spoke truth to the person you're sitting beside. And maybe the person you just spoke that truth to got it when you told them and I didn't tell them. Because God wants to use us all. So finally, and Mark, if you'll come on up and we're going to pray. Look for affinity. Look for ability. And look for opportunity. And by that I mean, you'll know. You'll gravitate to it. That's what affinity means. You'll just, you'll gravitate. You'll, you'll associate. You'll go, this is me. Friends, I don't want to be like my friend who was scared. But I'll tell you, my gift mix is certainly not what I was born able to do. I've shared with you before how over and over I was told I couldn't. There was no way God called me. I've sat on the boards of the places where people have told me I couldn't. Not because I earned it, but because God, if you will just open your life, God will put you in places and positions that your gift, the Bible says, a gift maketh room for you. Your gift will make room for you. There's an ability that you possess that why would you want to use it? There's an ability that God has trusted you with. You don't want to be me. You don't want my life story. You don't want my potential. Because the Holy Spirit is really, really smart. You want your story. And what God is doing in your life. But then look for opportunity. A few months ago, I was praying about an opportunity that had come my way that I don't deserve. My prayer partners were praying with me. And to be honest with you, I was 
kind of pulling back from it because it would put me in a new place of stretching that I've never done before. And then one day in an office, somebody spoke to me and says, you know, I've heard about an opportunity that's come your way. And this wasn't at a church. And says, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I've been praying for you. You need to jump on that with everything you've got. You see, your gift will make room for you. And I have found if you will just trust the Lord, you don't have to push open doors. If you're not an evangelist, you'll be pushing open doors. That doesn't mean we don't all have a responsibility to share our story with other people. If you're not a leader, you'll have to push open doors. But that doesn't mean we don't lead in the areas of responsibility we have as parents, as teachers, as small group leaders. But your gift will cause doors to swing wide open for you. So God says to some of you this morning, or to all of us, but particularly some of you, for the Holy Spirit, God's gift, does not want you to be afraid of people, but to be wise and strong and to love them and enjoy being with them. Please hear me when I say this. If you're afraid of people, I understand. The last thing I wanted to do was be with people. I grew all the way into my teenage years being mocked and made fun of for the smells and the disabilities I had. And to this day, I carry a certain fear. To this day, I find myself getting Saturday nights, getting very nervous before Sunday. I work hard not to show that. But I have discovered this. God doesn't want you to be afraid. And on this side of fear, and I shared this with somebody in our church, Jack Canfield said, everything you want lies on the other side of fear. Say that with me. Everything you want lies on the other side of fear. Say it again. Everything you want lies on the other side of fear. I have discovered that not only do I enjoy being with people, but I love people. And that's what the Holy Spirit will do in your heart. So stop being afraid. Be of good courage. The Holy Spirit is with you today. Amen? Look at this next verse. Guard well the splendid God-given ability you received as a gift from the Holy Spirit who lives within you. Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we looked at the anointing. If there's anything the enemy wants to steal from you, it's your anointing. So don't let temptation, don't let seduction, don't let bitterness, don't let evil cause you to give up that anointing that God has given you. It's that anointing in your life that will make you able to break yokes and remove bondages in the lives of other people. Guard well what God has put into you. Don't ever give it up. Don't ever give it up. Look at me. One day God will remind you if you do. Your pastor told you, don't ever give it up. And then finally, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Would you stand with me this morning? John and Belinda Howard were kind enough to bring me some firewood and And I split that firewood and came in and built a fire for Becky and I got busy doing something else. When I came back into the house, she says, hey, you let the fire die down. And I looked in there and all that good dry wood was burned up. So I went out and I got three more pieces of wood and I laid in the fireplace. Then I bent down and I began to And suddenly that rewarding poof happened. You know what that poof is? The fire sprung up. I kept blowing and in a few minutes the wood started glowing 
And I went back out in the backyard and finished up in her garden. If I could leave you with one challenge, fan into flame the gift that God has given you. And if you don't know it, get through 301 with Pastor Rick and with Heinz. They're going to offer it next week. And if you've been through 101 and 201, then sign up and be a part of that class. We're going to serve you lunch. If you haven't been through 101, come join me for 101. And then join Norma for 201 next week. 101 is Discovering Woodland. 201 is Discovering Spiritual Maturity. My prayer is 100% of the gifts that God has given us. Bow your heads with me. Well, Father in heaven, I've delivered my soul this morning in your word. Every believer in here possesses a spiritual gift. Some of them have never heard of that before. I pray that some of them now are like, gee, I can't wait to discover what it is. And I pray that others, <clears throat> God, who maybe have let the flame die down, they'll fan it into flame. I pray, Holy Spirit, you will blow by your Holy Spirit's wind upon our hearts in this church and cause us, Lord, not to be timid, but to be powerful in Christ. And finally, Lord, I pray for those that are not believers this morning. Oh, they believe, but that's, they wouldn't be here. But they've not yet crossed the line and said, I commit my life to you, Jesus. I pray, Holy Spirit, you'll give them the strength and the courage and the peace of heart and mind to say, yes, this is the right decision to make. And there are Christians all over this room that are praying right now for you to do that. So if you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm not going to ask you to do anything weird, but I am going to ask you to pray with me. Would you just pray this prayer? Pray it quietly, but pray it sincerely to the Lord. Lord Jesus, there's more to life than what I've discovered. But what I've discovered so far has persuaded me that you are the Son of God, that you died for my sins, and that the Father in heaven raised you on the third day. So as much as I know how, I confess my sins, I commit my life to you, and I ask you, Holy Spirit, come and take residence in my heart. Be my leader. Be my Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. If you prayed that this morning, there's a card. In a few minutes, we're going to take our offering. But there's a card in the pew in front of you. Would you just fill it out and just put on there your name, your email, and check the back. I gave my heart to Jesus. Maybe you recommitted your life to Jesus today. I want to send you something tomorrow. I would love to meet you and talk with you. So if you'll come through these middle doors on your way out and just, when I, I'm going to hug your neck if I can, you know. Just whisper in my ear, say, I gave my life to Jesus today. I want to know that. I really promise you I'll be praying for you. And I'm so glad you're here. You can be seated. We're going to worship the Lord with the bringing of our tithes and offerings. Pastor Rick is going to come and pray. Today is Mission Sunday. I encourage you to remember our missions, ministries, our missionaries, and your giving today. If you're our guest, please feel free to let the offering basket pass you by. We're just, this is a part of how we worship God. Pastor Corey mentioned that earlier in the service. Ushers, you can come on down and Pastor Rick will pray. Church, I love you so much. Let's 100% discover our gifts for God's glory. Amen? Amen.